And so in equality, we're the same. We're no different. The Lord has given me an authority as a pastor, but that's it. Other than that, we're brothers and sisters in the Lord. And so I, I appreciate you coming here today. It looks like uh, some of us slept a little late, but we got here. <laughs> and some of us are still sleeping. Yeah. <laughs> but it's all good. I'm going to cut that internet off and the church will fill up real quick. <laughs> Anyway, uh, the Lord gave me this message today, and uh, we've been talking about relationships, and uh, not in the uh, church-type way in the last two months, really. I've been talking about relationships, of course, our relationship with the Word and the Holy Spirit, with Jesus, but we talked about our relationship with money. We talked about a relationship with one another and what responsibilities we have in that and obligations we have in that. We, talk, we talked about our relationship with the devil. It should be very bad. And uh, today, I'm going to talk about our relationship with our own household. This is very, very important. You know, as a pastor... I see things come and I see things go. And I see God move in a wave of a certain revelation or something that needs to be imparted to the church. And I'm like, man, grab it. Get it. But we don't camp out in those places. We just keep flowing with the Holy Spirit. I watch people come and I watch people go. I've seen the great and I've seen the small that God uses. But when it all comes down to it, 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 whether the temperature of the church is important. It's not about all the peripheral things and those that come and those that go, but it's where is the church? And the church, of course, is not a building. Uh, it's you and I. And so this morning, this will be uh, ground zero. This will be uh, a root that we are supposed to have as people of God. And uh, matter of fact, Mike, any evangelist, Kevin, any other evangelists here? This, this is a good message for evangelists. I'm going to preach it from the pastor's standpoint, but if you hadn't preached this message as an evangelist yet, you need to. It's got some power uh, in it. <laughs> Matter of fact, it should be taken to the streets today. Um, there's a few people walked in and they saw the red, so they came to the conclusion what it was all about. So if you did make that conclusion, I give you A+. Plus. If you didn't start thinking in that area, it's okay. They're not? I've been begging people to get, take these seats. They're not, not reserved at all. Anyway, my message title is Rahab's Red Rope. I always do things in a bunch of letters. <laughs> Rahab's Red Rope. There's so much power in this story. There's, there's, there's so many lessons in this story of this lady's faith in her life. 
and how she really gave herself uh, to the message. You got to give yourself to the message. I'm only a messenger, but you have to give yourself uh, to the message. So let's pray before I start. Lord, I thank you that this morning uh, that this message would go beyond just the print in the Bible and what we read. And I thank you, Lord, I'm not only preaching out of theory, but I'm preaching out of experience, experiential knowledge, practicing the Word of God and seeing it work in my life and in my family's life and how this Word will extend far beyond our today. It will go into our future if Jesus tarries and doesn't come back in our lifetime. So, Lord, I thank you that your anointing is on this word that I won't just be speaking to heads, but I'll be speaking to hearts. And I know, Lord, none of us have the capacity to remember everything I'm going to say here today, but I thank you, Lord, there'll be, uh, there'll be blinks and, and uh There'll, there'll be times in this message that words will just strike people's spirit and it will be imprinted on their hearts and their minds and it would be somewhat of a memorial that I can't leave this place, I can't forget what I heard because this was for me and my life and my family and those I love. Lord, I thank you. Bless this message. Thank you. Thank you that the anointing will carry it further than I can with my own voice. Lord, I thank you. Lord, I stand before you in fear and trembling. Thank you, Lord, that I know I'm accountable for everything I say to people. And I take that responsibility. I take it, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Joshua 2. Verse 1, now Joshua, the son of Nun, that's not N-O-N-E. Joshua, the son of Nun, sent out two men from Acacia Grove to spy secretly. Now, this is pretty interesting. One of these spies is Joshua. And 40 years before this, he was sent by Moses to spy out this same land. And now 40 years, he, he stood, he weathered the time. He stood. One of two, he stood through all the complaining people in church. He stood in the midst of all of the rebellion and in the midst of all of those that were wanting to turn back and talk about Egypt and what went wrong and God's not here for us. He is one that stood. Come on, 40 years. Can you imagine putting up with people for 40 years? I'm in it for 32 right now, but... I mean, I mean, really stood the test of time saying, go view the land, especially Jericho. Now, Jericho is the scene of this whole story. And, uh, of course, we know Jericho was this fortress, this fortified city, and the walls were so wide they could have chariot races on top of the walls. Massive, massive walls. And this was the first city that needed to be taken that the Israelites, the people of God, could enter in to the promises that God had given them that they could receive their inheritance. So this, this is a, a first thing that needed to happen. If this didn't happen, 
probably not much would follow it. They had to take out this city. Y'all with me? And so like this is a first fruit. And I want y'all to know this is essential for us to fulfilling the will of God in our life and to see the promises of God, which is a type of the promised land, coming to pass in our lives. Who wants all the promises of God? I do, man. I mean, I've received some, but I want them all. So it says then, so they went and came to the house of the harlot named Rahab, and they lodged there. Now, they broke into the city some kind of way they got in. And the place that they ended up was the house of a prostitute. So not many people were thinking too much about these men going into her house. It was almost like accepted. But as we read, we will find out that people noticed there were some strange people coming into the city. In the early 90s, I went into a city in China, and uh, it was me and nine other people. I was leading the group, and we came into this city, and we thought we were coming in uh, not noticed, but we found out a couple of days later, everybody knew who the strange people were, and they knew exactly where we were, and they actually found us. But anyway, we see in this story And it was told to the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, men have come here tonight from the children of Israel. So now he's kind of alarmed. The king's alarmed because these two guys are from Israel to search out our country. So the king of Jericho sent to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you. So he knew these men went to her house. Bring out these men that have come to you and have entered your house, for they have come to search out our country. They've come, he's thinking in his mind, it's a twofold thing. For they have come to search out all the country. Then the woman took the two men and hid them. How many of y'all know this harlot had uh, experience in hiding men and housing men? This was not Hotel SIX. This was Hotel S-E-X. This was the house of the rising sun. Some of y'all knew the music in my day. This, this, this is the holiday inn. This is the comfort inn. Make no mistake about it. Everybody knows it. So she said, yes, men came to me. She's admitting it. But I did not know where they were from. Everybody says she's lying. And it happened as the gate was being shut when it was dark that the men went out. She's lying again. Where the men went, I do not know. She's lying again. Pursue them quickly, for you may overtake them. She's lying again. But she had brought them up to the roof and hidden them with the stalks of flax which she had laid in order on the roof. So not only were they hiding on the roof, they were in the roof. You know, so they have these, this flax. It's like a big leafy plant that they'd put on their roof that, you know, they'd be shaded and the rain 
would not come through. So she actually hid those men in the roof. Isn't that something? And so I don't want you to be alarmed, but there are eyes into your house. There's always eyes into your household. I'm going to say it again. There's nothing hidden. God knows what's going on in your household. No matter how we look here, God knows what's going on in your household. Then the men pursued them by the road to the Jordan to the ford, so she threw them off. And as soon as those who pursued them had gone out, she shut the gate. Or they shut the gate. Now before they lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land, that the terror of you has fallen on us, and that all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. How many of y'all know she got the news from people in the city? Men must have talked a lot. And she was, everybody in the city was fearful of the people of God. They heard the stories about coming across the Red Sea and how the waters opened up and how the chariots of Pharaoh came across. And once the people of God got across, all the, the water just crushed and killed the army of Pharaoh. They heard about all the stories in the wilderness and they know the people of God are coming their way and they've been frightened for a long time. I know that the Lord has given you this land and they know in this city we're next. We're going to lose everything. Judgment is coming upon our house. They know that. Judgment is coming upon their whole city. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were on the other side of the Jordan, Shihon and Og, who you utterly destroyed. You overcame everything that tried to overcome you and it's almost like we next on the list. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted. Neither did there remain any more courage in any because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and earth beneath. She heard these stories. She heard about Jehovah, the God of Israel. She's hearing about the God Almighty. And she knows she's not right. She knows her household is not right. She knows she's doing the wrong thing. And now her heart is beginning to melt. She wants to get her life right. I'm talking the same along the lines as Susan, that our hearts have got to be right. Now, therefore, I beg you. Now, these men came into the house. They probably conversed about the power of God Almighty. They probably told her what's about to happen. Something's fixing to go down. And so as they're coming down this red rope, the Bible talks about it. As they're, they're coming out of her house down this red rope, and I just pictured this. 
as they're coming down the red rope and their feet hit the bottom and one of the guys, Joshua, looks up and that lady's looking at him. She knows she's going to die. She knows she's going to die in her sin. And she has one request before these men leave. And I'm just looking at Joshua, looking at her, the preacher, the man with the message. And this is what goes down. Now, therefore, this is Rahab. This is what you, I beg you, swear to me my, by the Lord, since I have shown you kindness, I took care of you, I hid you, that you also will show kindness to my father's house and give me a true token, give me a sign. And spare my father, my mother, my brothers, my sisters, and all that they have, and deliver our lives from death. Can you see that picture? Now, in my own estimation, she's living alone. She's not married. She could have many kids, but she does have a father, a mother, brothers and sisters and friends and neighbors people that she loves in that city. And she could have asked a lot of things. She could have asked for gold and riches and jewelry because they had just, Israel had just plundered the Egyptians. They had it to give away. She could have asked for property and homes because they were coming into the inheritance. They were going to take all the land. So she could have asked for that. She could have asked for money. She could have asked for cattle. She could have asked for anything. But you know what she asked for? Her family. Spare my family. Spare my life. And spare my own family. Nothing was more important in her, to her than her family, her brothers and sisters, her community, her city. Nothing was more important. Nothing on the planet was more important than those around her. And listen who's standing in the gap for a city, a prostitute. This is amazing. Somebody that does not have it going on. Somebody that doesn't have good character, good integrity, and a good reputation. Somebody that has blew it. Somebody that has really messed up their life. This is the one standing in the gap for the whole city. This is an amazing story. So the men answered her. This, this, is a, this is a good Christian slogan right here. Our lives for yours. Are you willing to put up your life? Are you willing to put up your time? Come on. Joshua says, our lives for your life. I got you. We're going to do it. I'm coming back. We're praying for you. We're standing for you. If none of you tell this business of ours, 
In other words, she took care of them. She really took care of God. God needed the spies to come in there so they could bring back a good report so they could come in and take Jericho that then the people of God could have all of their inheritance. So this lady was major. I mean, she was like a lifeline to the people of God, to the promised land. She was the connection. She was the woman of peace. If none of you tell this business of ours, and it shall be when the Lord has given us the land, so they knew they were going to get the land, that we will deal kindly and truly with you. Then she let them down by the rope through the window, for her house was on the city wall. She dwelt on the wall. In other words, what happens in Jericho stays in Jericho for now. It was always like that before with all the other men, but it's the same way now. She says, get to the mountain. She's even leading and telling them. I mean, it pays to help the body of Christ. Come on, God will bless you if you help the people of God. And she said to them, get to the mountain lest the pursuers meet you. Hide three days there until the pursuers have returned. Afterward, you may go your way. So the men said to her, we will be blameless of this oath of yours, which you have made us swear. Unless we come into the land, you bind, you bind this line of sacred cord in the window. You bind this line of scarlet cord, sacred cord, crimson cord, red cord, red rope in the window through which you let us down. I thought that was pretty significant right there. You, you don't have to invent the wheel. Somebody's already been rescued. Somebody's already got out of this city, out of this mess. You understand? So basically, they're showing her what she needs to do. Through which you let us down. And unless you bring your father, your mother, your brothers, and all your father's household to your own home, so, listen, she don't have good relationships right now, probably with anybody, except men. <laughs> I, wouldn't th I would think her relationship with her own children and brothers and sisters and mama and daddy, they're not that good. So she's starting from scratch. It's going to take some effort. It's going to take some time for her to get all of her family in her house. How many of y'all know that's not going to be easy? We're still trying to get everybody in the house. We're trying to get all our families in this house. It takes time. You got to do some things right. You got you to do something with what you're hearing. So it shall be whoever goes outside those doors of your house into the street, this blood shall be on their head. You know what that tells me right now? We're responsible for our house. Their blood is on our hands. I'm talking about your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren. I'm telling you, it's worth fighting for your kids. It's worth fighting for your grandkids. It's worth fighting for your marriage. It's worth fighting for your neighborhood. It's just worth the fight for your community. I'm telling you. 
And whoever, whoever is with you in the house, his blood shall be on your head. It's your responsibility, lady. If a hand is laid on him, and if you tell this business of ours, then we will be free from your oath, which you made us swear, so you understand that's all taken care of. And she said, according to your words, according to your message, so be it. I'm in. We cut in covenant right now. I'm going to do what the messenger told me to do to see my household saved. Wow. And she sent them away. And really, verse 21 is everything in my message. She, the harlot, said, according to your words, so be it. And she sent them away and departed. And she bound the scarlet cord to the window. Wow. You know, there's a lot of things standing between you and I or you and your family. A lot of things are standing between your family, maybe your sons and daughters, I don't know, mamas and daddies, maybe your neighborhood, maybe your friends, but there's a lot of things standing between us. But I'm going to tell you some things that don't stand between us. The government does not stand between us and our family getting saved. Hollywood does not stand between us and our family getting saved. Republican, Democrat does not stand between us and our family getting saved. The filth of the world and the confusion of the world does not stand in between us and our families getting saved. The only thing that stands between us and our families getting saved is us. That's it. That's it. There's chaos out there. There's confusion out there. But it doesn't need to be in your house. Hollywood don't need to be in your house. Religion don't need to be in your house. The government don't need to be in your house. People are ranting and raving. Raving? Ranting and raving about just everything that's going on. You know, I hear this all the time. I'm so sick of it. They took prayer out of school. They didn't take nothing out of school. People took prayer out of school because they quit praying in their house. When you quit praying in your house, who's going to pray? If all the Christians would have kept prayer, kept the word, put what was first in their house, it would have never changed in school. So it's all about what's going on in your house. It's all about the house. Craziness can't come in your house unless you invite it. It's not about what they do that's going to affect our family. It's about what we do in our house. I'm going to say it again. It's about what we do in our house. Yeah. We can change a city. We can change a nation. But it's all up. It's got to start in our house. Yeah. It starts in our heart, but then it happens in our house. Yeah. This is good. Yeah. This is challenging. See, it's all our responsibility now. We can't blame the government. God forbid you start blaming the schools. Whew. You understand, everything that comes in our house, we got to invite it in. Everything. I don't know where my kids get that from. Really. What are they listening to? I know schools and I know all of that, but what are you teaching them? Because we have quality time with our household. Yeah. 
And man, all the morals, all scriptural-based uh, lifestyle should all be being taught in our household that it doesn't matter what our children face in that world, they'll stand. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that right? Yeah. I'm telling you, your family is worth fighting for. And so in this story, I really saw a couple of lessons, and they're very, very simple. Now, one thing the enemy fights is our spiritual legacy. He does not want your Christianity to go beyond yourself. If he can't stop you, he's going to try to stop the bloodline. He's going to, he don't want your kids to get what you got. But I got good news for you. I got experience. And all of my kids are loving God, serving God, and involved with God. And I don't know whoever told you that it would be hard with your children, but it's a lie from the pit of hell. I'm not speaking on uh, any kind of theology. I'm speaking from experience. I don't know. I'm telling you, don't give up on your kids. Don't give up on your family. But there's some work you have to do. You need to get involved. Fight the good fight. This is so good. She said, I want my family saved. 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 I ain't worried about money. I'm not worried about vacations. I'm not worried about houses. I'm not worried about academic and education. I want my family saved. Man, when you put that down first in your heart that you want your family saved and you put your effort there, they're going to get saved. I know that's a good word for now, but we're going to talk about some things you got to do. You hearing, but you got to be obedient with this word. <laughs> Man, I'm just shaking. <laughs> the first, I got three, I got three B's. The, the first step is you got to know this. Your background has nothing to do, nothing to do with your children not getting saved. I don't care. She's a harlot. She was working on the wall. She was, she was doing night moves. The Lord's trying to show us that nothing in your past can keep your kids from getting saved. I don't care what your daddy did. I don't care what you did. You don't need to be ashamed. You don't need to be guilty. You don't need to be embarrassed. And I don't know who told you. You just reap and seed you sowed. Maybe so, but just start sowing some good seed. Don't, don't end it right there. I'm just getting what I sowed. She was a harlot, and we're about to see her whole family get saved. Okay, so your past can't hold you back. Your past can't hold your children and your family from being whole in any kind of way. It's a lie from the pit of hell. God. There are people in here today probably guilty, feeling shame, embarrassed, even thinking, I'm just sowing what I'm reaping. Just shut your mind up and repent, and I'm telling you, the blood of Jesus will stop everything, and you just take off from there, and your kids will get saved. Cool. 
I don't care how old they are. It doesn't matter. Blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus is stronger than your past. The blood of Jesus covers your past. The blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. If you be in Christ, you are a new creature. (laughs) Creation. All things have passed away. All things are made new. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Your past cannot hold you back. And your past will not hold your children back. I know how that thinking gets. I know how you get haunted by the things you did wrong. Why don't you just get haunted by the things that Christ begins to do in you? And your heart begins to change. Your kids will see that. Your family will see that. And things will change. I'm going to preach this message because I think it's a good evangelistic message. (laughs) God just honored the cry of this lady's heart. Lord, oh, my family's saved. We, we get so involved in so many different things that I'm just wondering sometimes, do we really want our family saved? I mean, we run here, we run there, we do this, and we do a lot of it in Jesus' name, but do we want our family saved? Do we really want? Or are we waiting for God just to wave a magical wand and everything's going to know it's going to have something to do with us? But first point is, your resume to God don't matter. You know, when somebody fill out a resume, they don't ever put anything bad down. They lie about everything in the positive direction. Come on, if you did that, don't, don't raise your hand. I mean, who's going who's gonna to put in there, I got fired three times, I was never prompt on the job, and you know, and I gave every, who's going to put that on their resume? God's not looking at your resume. It's all under the blood of Jesus. You have a new start. This is so good. I started thinking about the mercy seat, the Ark of the Covenant. And I've preached on this in a lot of different ways because, you know, there's like triple, quadruple fulfillments of God in Scripture, progressive revelation, just on and on. But I, I know I've preached on the three things that's in the God box. And we know we got Aaron's rod. We have the manna. And we have the Ten Commandments that, Moses dropped in the box. And of course, you know, I've always saw it as the commandments, divine divine order. Who needs divine order? Well, that's promised to us. Also, the rod of Aaron is divine authority. Who needs some of that? We've been given that. And the next one is manna, divine provision. So all that works good. And it's almost like the box is like a museum. And it could be like a testimony of what God can do. But it's kind of a, I'm going to give you a little spin on that, that we can look at it in another way. Actually, those three things in the box represents Israel's worst failures. It represents their failure. And first of all, the rod of Aaron, I mean, 
People were coming against Moses. Everybody wanted to run the ship, and Moses was called to run the ship. And I mean, they were getting rebellious, coming against him. And God said, listen, all you leaders, bring your staff up here, and the, the little the dry stick that blooms and blossoms, that's going to be my leader. So they all brought their sticks up there. Aaron stuck his stick in the ground. The others stuck the stick in the ground. All of a sudden, Aaron's stick started to bloom. That was to remind them of their rebellion. And then we got the manna. I mean, come on. You don't like God's cooking? <laughs> they didn't. They didn't like what God was serving, so they murmured for 40 years. Well, put some of that in the box, too. And then Moses, he comes off the mountain. He's in the presence of God. God actually writes in stone with his finger the Ten Commandments to put order in the people of God. So he's coming down the mountain all excited, full of joy. And then he hears about the Israelite, the people of God. They're building a golden calf. And they're dancing around an idol. So he gets mad and he breaks all Ten Commandments. So he fails, they fail, everybody's failing. God said, put it in the box. So they put it in the box, and then God said, cover the box. It's called a mercy seat. And then the priest would come in, and he'd sprinkle it seven times, a type of the blood of Jesus, the wounds on the body of Jesus. And so what the Lord was telling me in that, I'm telling you, when God covers it with the blood, don't try to lift the lid. Don't try to go back to something that's already covered. Shut up. Bible says mercy triumphs over judgment. Mercy covers the law. Mercy covers your mistake. The grace of God is here for you to empower you to do it right from here on out. The Philistines even stole the box. They took the box with the three things in it, the three items. And when they got the box, they thought they could pull the lid and get the stuff out of the box and use it for their behalf. But when they pulled the lid, 50,000 of them died. The Lord's telling me again, what's under the blood needs to stay under the blood. You don't need to go back to it. It's over. It's over. Don't tell your neighbor, don't lift the lid. Your children are not cursed. Your children are not cursed. You're not cursed. The curse is broken. The generational curse is gone. There's no such thing once the blood of Jesus had been received. Now, you do, your, child, your children are accountable for their own life. They will have to come to a place of decision and responsibility, but that's your place is to build that habitat. It's to show them God in every facet of your life, that they will just want to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord if they have not done that yet. The blood reaches beyond your past. Number two, bind the rope. The messenger said, you bind the rope to the window. Don't scotch tape it, don't Velcro it, don't hot glue it, bind it. This is what we did. 
Come here, Chris. This is what I did my children. I mean, this is spiritual speaking, okay? This is just what we did constantly in prayer, constantly in, in teaching. This is just what we did constantly in fasting and praying and uh, everything, everything. You said, you said, everything we did, we bind them to the blood of Jesus. You know, when I first got saved, we'd plead the blood of Jesus a lot. Y'all remember those days? We just plead the blood. Of, that means you cover things with the blood of Jesus. It's, it's a spiritual thing. It has, it has nothing to do with the natural. So when you start covering people with the blood, you know, you, you're taking the work and the performance of the cross and you're using it for, the, for your family. And you're praying and you're fasting and you're living right and you're having a good example and you're doing the right thing in the house so they know you're not some fake Christian and you're not some hypocrite and you're not talking about the church in the house because if you keep talking about the church in your own household, why would your kids ever want to go to that church? I mean, I know people. They, they go home, discuss their problems in church in front of their kids. And the kids, their little hearts are listening to that. Why would they ever want to go there? And then people of God, you know, they, they, they love Jesus, but they don't get connected to anybody. They don't even go to church in Howard. Don't think your kids are going to come. Why would they come? You never came. My mama used to give me the keys to the car to go to church. You think I went to church with the keys to the car? And I just started driving. There ain't no way, Mama. I love you, but it ain't happening. <laughs> she's telling me to go to church, give me her keys, her car, and go to church, and she's not going to church. I'm not a fool. If it's not important to you, it's not important to me. I don't we get so ridiculous. Your kids, your family, your spouse is watching what you do and how you do with you. I love Jesus. That don't mean nothing to them. How are you doing with you? How, how you doing? You bind the line of scarlet in the window through which you let us down. You got that. You! Not the priest, not the king, not the pastor, not the children's church teacher, not the nursery worker, not the intercessors. You, point at yourself right now. You, you bind. You bind. You bind them to the word. You bind them to the spirit. You bind them in good teaching and good example. You do it. This is really good. You get involved. We like to talk a big talk, but when it comes to work, work, you get involved. You bind. And I mean, I'm telling you, we did it for years. We pray for our kids. We lay hands on our kids. Still today, when we talk to our kids, it all comes down to the word. I'm not kidding. It doesn't matter if it's a vacation. If they went on a vacation, we'll talk about it a little while, and then it all turns right back to the Word of God. We, we don't make a vacation. We don't make an item. We don't make some affair or some event bigger than the Word of God. It always comes back to the Word of God. You know the Lord said, 
Huh, sir? We, we always just always take that rope and just tie them up with it. Huh? Every morning we take the rope. We just tie them up. That's what keeps us together, the rope. I mean, we look different. We act different. We have different backgrounds. You understand? Just totally maybe different cultures. So there's no way we can get in agreement without the blood. It's the blood. And once you put the blood in place, then, man, we can almost get, we can get along. You understand? We can, we can work together. We can look at each other. We can respect one another. But the common denominator is the precious blood of Jesus Christ. <laughs> Number two, bind the rope. Tell your neighbor, bind the rope. It's your responsibility. As a husband, it's your responsibility. As a wife, it's your responsibility. As a father, it's your responsibility. As a mother, it's your responsibility. Don't throw your responsibility off on somebody else and feel like you're entitled. You're not entitled. You're entitled to have your, you're entitled to take your part, get involved, and be responsible. That's what you're entitled to. Nothing else. Tied to the window. Can you, can you imagine what this lady was thinking? You know what she's thinking every day? Joseph, don't you touch that rope. Daddy, don't move that rope. If that rope is moved, we die. Don't move that rope. She checked that rope in the morning. She checked that rope at dinner time. She checked that rope at night. That rope had to stay in place. It had to be nailed down. Don't touch it. Don't step over that line. Don't use it for nothing else. That's our lifeline right there. We don't make it without the blood. We don't make it without that scarlet rope. We're not going to make it. As crazy as this culture is, as crazy as this nature is, we're not going to make it without the blood. And there's something, she tied it by the window. Window was an access, made it accessible, made things accessible to the house. Windows make things accessible to the house. Shut that window, tie the blood right there, and don't open it. What you let in your house will dictate the direction of your house. This is the way it works at my house. My wife has my code. My office has my, I think everybody got my code. (laughs) I have nothing to hide, nothing. Anybody can look at my phone anytime. I have nothing to hide. You can backtrack me. You can come to my house. I'll back out the driveway at the same time every day. If somebody's going to assassinate me, they're going to get me. I can be found. I'm not going far. I'm not hiding. I'm not in any dark places. I'll expose myself. Do y'all take the kids' phones at Teen Tight? Y'all do something. What do y'all do? We'll have them bring up the phones as an offering. Wow, that's cool. You want, you, want, you want your kids to go to heaven? Who wants their kids to go to heaven? 
I'm talking about if they live in with you, they have no privacy rights. None. None. I don't have any privacy rights. I have none. You can ask me any question. My wife, my phone rings, her phone rings. You text me, you text my wife. You message me, you message my wife. I'm covered by the blood of Jesus. I don't have nothing to hide. It's just the way it is. Who wants their kids to go to heaven? Well, listen, if they're living with you, they ain't paying the mortgage. They have no rights. They have no privacy rights at all. Listen, when my kids were growing up in the house, you don't lock the door on me. You might lock the door, but I knock, I'm coming in. If I, if I got to pay, if I got to bust the door down, you're going to pay for it. This is my house. I make the rules. There needs to be some new rules. New rules in the house. And if you're running it, you need to follow the rules yourself. And that's what the harlot said. New rules. Don't touch that window. My kids, they, they never, I can't get their attention. They're always on the iPhone. Really? You're you going to send your kids to hell if you don't hold them accountable to some things. Let me look at you. No. I'll tell you what. How about if I look at your phone? Huh? How about everybody just bring their phone up? Yeah, I got a few raising hands. <laughs> That's the way it needs to be. Well, Pastor, I, I have privacy rights in America. Oh, really? Listen, you invite me over, I will open your icebox. I know that's an old word, but I will open your icebox. <laughs> who, who, I've been to your house, and I just walk in there, and I just open your refrigerator. I just open it up. I'll, I'll, you'll be showing me the living room. Next thing I know, I'm off somewhere in your back bedroom. I'm just looking around. I want to make sure you go to heaven. I ain't ashamed. I'll, I'll, I'll knock at your door at the wrong time. Y'all heard the stories. I used to go from house to house. I'd knock on the door and two, uh, and two fingers would pull the shades down, two eyes would be there, and I'd hear, he's here! And all of a sudden, people are rumming, ashtrays, beer bottles, cigarettes, people running out the back door, stopping cussing. It's what we need! Hey, you want community? You want church? That's what it's all about. Yes. That's what it's all about. Accountability. And I'm accountable to you too. You, you're welcome to ask a question about my life or where I You saw my car somewhere. You saw me in a place sitting down with some other blonde-headed, blue-eyed woman. You, you please ask about that. But I'm very serious. All of my children, all of my children are serving God and they love God. And I'm telling you, I will put the integrity of my own children above most people in this place. And I'm not dissing you out, but my children got it. 
And they only got it through the blood of Jesus. And God gave me grace. And we just were foolish enough to practice the word of God in our household. And my grandchildren, oh, my God. Little Adeline, she's telling her friend. She goes up to her friend. She says, I got pastor blood in me. (laughs) She, She ain't but nine. So you understand, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, if Jesus does not come back in our lifetime, we're going to a whole different level. And if you are first-generation Christian here, just start practicing the, the, the very simple, fundamental things of God in your household, and your children shall be saved. And listen, all this stuff about just making ministry, memories, going through things together. You can do all of that. But if you ain't living it, and if you're not testifying it, if you're not praying, and if you're not even sharing the goodness of God with your own children, you build in worldly, ministry, worldly memories. You understand? When, you got to get down to the blood. Baby, you know mama loves you. But baby, you have got to come to church. Baby, you need to be in that teen group. Baby, let me tell you. Let me teach you how to get in that word and just read a chapter or two a day. Uh, A baby, if you just spice, come on, darling. We we need to pray. Come on, we need, what did I say? Your spicy spouse, you get with her and you just begin to teach. You know, you have to start talking the word of God. Talk it, walk it, practice it, preach it. Testify, live it. You know, the Lord told me. There's a lot of people preaching in my name, but he said they're not living in my name. And that's going to happen. And God's going to say, I never knew those people. They love the power and they love the word, but they never practice it for themselves and their own families. Not so much here. We We have the foundation of this church is good family. Family. We are family. Love the one you're with. If it's... <laughs> Keep it holy. You got to get it in the mind, in the spirit of your children. You know, my kids today, they make, they make so much fun of Susan. Because everything she's prayed, everything we have prayed, it just comes to pass. And when they tell us what happened, we just basically say, we prayed. So we take all credit for it. Mama prayed. Mama prayed. I never get any credit. But but you understand, they know. They actually praise us in the streets. You know, they're not mad at mom and daddy for anything. They, they totally trust us. We don't get in their business today. You know, you know they t- they'll come to us if they need us, but we've just released them to the Lord. And, and so I'm telling you, there's a place that you get once you train up your children in the way they should go. They should never depart. If they do, they'll just come back around. And I'm telling you, you've got to train them right. And if you train them right, when the high school beer party comes, they ain't going. When everybody's in the back seat of the car, they ain't going to do it. When the professor in college raises up a Bible, throws it on the floor, and says, this is not even real, 
they're not going to be moved. When all of, of their so-called graduates go the wrong way, they're not going to be moved because you planted the right thing in them. And it's not too late. Blood of Jesus. Blood of Jesus. I mean, use your time with your family. Quality time. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. If they, if they don't know the word, you understand, if they don't know the wills, will of God, don't, don't expect for them to receive anything. I mean, it, it, it is not right for our children to kind of find their way to Jesus. I mean, how hard is that? Oh, my God. You mean we, we exemplify all the wrong things? That, that's double confusion right there. Come on. I tell you, my, my children kept me holy. They're precious little hearts. I, I didn't want to hurt them, you know. I didn't want to say one thing and not do something else. And, man, I just, I cared for them so much. I lived for them. They never, they, they, they never heard me say a cuss word in my life. They heard Susan. They heard Susan. They heard Susan. She said the word, the S word. She said, I never, never asked my kid. I'm a virgin. They, they never heard. And as far as hollering and screaming, they, no, 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 no. And I'm telling you, we taught our children so well. I remember years ago, Susan picked up a bottle of wine. You did. I didn't. I was with him, so I'm accountable. Susan picked up a bottle of wine. She put it in the basket. How old was Julie? Julie just started crying. She just started crying. Just started crying. That's a shame. When the kids know better than the parents. Just started crying like mom and daddy. Y'all, y'all don't want to, y'all don't. Man, we put that back on the show. I mean, Lord have mercy. Kids are so precious. Don't mess them up. God put them in your hands. Don't mess them up. If you have, repent. And don't, I'm telling you, there's no resume background check once you put it under the blood. You can go on with your kids. Is this good? Yes. Boyfriends, they'll marry the right ones. It's amazing what women and young men go through in these days. I'm, I'm talking about multiple re relationships over the years. I mean, like, I'm, how many, what? Oh, my God, how can somebody even survive being used like that? And it all starts out good, but they were never trained, no, you don't go there. You, you don't touch that. No, no. If you're not telling your kids no, shame on you. 
No, not in this house. No, not, I'm telling you, our house is like a sanctuary. And there's no confusion. It's not wrecked. It's just so peaceful. Ain't nothing bad coming in my house. I need my house to get away from things. And when my kids come in my house, they sense it. When I go in their house, I sense the same thing. Just peace. This is not a condemning message. This is telling you to put some energy and effort and get involved with your family. That they don't have to go through what you went through. The rope holes. The rope holes. The rope holes. It's like an anchor to our soul. The blood of Jesus. It's just powerful. Guard your house. Guard your house. Man, I go in some households and it's just like, oh, my God. You, you don't want to say anything because sometimes people are not where you are. But <coughs> just, and it's not items. It's just what's being said. I never had police cars come into my house. If, if you need help, just ask for help. Man, the church is here. Uh, the cops will not come and pick up my kids. The dope dealer was not coming to my house. And don't be condemned. I'm just saying, put a stop to it. Change the rules. It's your house. This is my house here. And I know some people don't like the way I do a lot of things here, but it's God put me over this house. So I'm just going to do it the way God tells me to do. And not everybody likes it, you can tell. But we're going to stay clean in our hearts. <laughs> Most people have to start out on the Internet because when I get a little tough, they just flick me off. Yeah, go ahead. Flick me off. I'm talking to you right now. <laughs> and so if you if you can't live in the house, how are you going to get along with the world out there? If you can't live in this house, you won't live good in your house at home. I've said this before. We all came out of households that were dysfunctional. And if you didn't come out of a dysfunctional house, that's a sign you're saying something, you're dysfunctional. Because we all came out of something dysfunctional. And because we didn't get it right with our brothers and our sisters and our mamas and our daddies and we had rebellion in our heart and we insisted on our own ways and we left the house and we cussed our mamas and daddy, God going to send you right through the house again. He going to put you in a house so you can get it right with your siblings or God forbid what's going to happen down the road. He wants us to get it right here so our kids will be okay. This is good. I saw this, 2 Kings 21. In those days, Hezekiah was sick and near death. And Hezekiah the prophet, the son of Amos, went to him and said to him, Thus says the Lord, set your house in order, for you shall die and not live. Who wants death in their household? Set your house in order. 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 
Quit fighting. Quit, quit quiet fighting. Quit bickering. Get your hearts right. You don't have to have your way in your house. You need to get in agreement with the word of God. Be accountable to your spouse. Be accountable to your children. Be accountable to your church family. Be accountable to your pastor. It'll do you well. You know, when, when Hezekiah decided to get his house right, God gave him 15 more years, 15 more years of his life. And matter of fact, the sun slowed down. Well, the sun didn't slow down. The earth slowed down because the sun is always standing still. The earth revolves around it. So the earth slowed down. So God will do whatever it takes. If you cry out in your heart and you want your family right, he'll help you. If he's got to stop the earth from turning, he'll help you. He's totally into family. He puts the solitude, the lonely in families. And if you didn't have a good family, you understand church now. Because it becomes your family. It becomes your blood. It becomes your brothers and sisters. Whoo! So I got saved 1986, February 26 at 736. That was the beginning of daylight savings time. I got more light in my day the day I got saved. <laughs> and it's been good ever since. And even at night, it's morning. According to your word, so, it, so be it. Number three, this lady became part of the genealogy of Jesus. We read about her in Matthew. She's in the lineage of Jesus. Rahab, a harlot. Your background don't matter. Her whole family was in the genealogy of Jesus. Come on. Isn't that powerful? James 2, 24 and 26. You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. Likewise, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers or the message and sent them out another way? For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. You have to apply. You have to get involved. You have to put your hands and your efforts in your family. Rahab not only believed. I mean, when they said, put that red card, she put it. But not only did she believe, she was obedient. And she actually did it. And she never would let anybody Touch that red cord. Don't, don't you let anybody fool with you about the blood of Jesus and the power of it and the ability that he can turn everything around. Don't listen to some fool. And listen, I don't know why I'm going to say this, but I'm going to say this. If your best friend is not saved, that's not your best friend. You don't need to be counseling with someone that you attach to sentimentally or you grew up with or you always hung around. They are unsaved. They have a carnal mind and they do not understand the blood of Jesus at all. Can I kill something else? I hear people go and sit in synagogues and they feel the presence of God. Really? 
Jesus is not accepted in a synagogue as the son of the living God. So don't tell me you're sitting in a synagogue and nobody in there that's not a Messianic Jew believes that Jesus is the son of God. You're just playing with religion. Should I say that again? I had somebody tell me that. I love to just go to the synagogue sometime and just, just sit in there. For what? Did they mention the name of Jesus as the son of the living God? Did they talk about the precious blood that he spilled? They have no concept. Disattached from all religion. The blood of Jesus. Come on, somebody. I knew I'd make a couple of devils mad right there. <laughs> By faith, the walls of Jericho fell. Rahab made it to the hall of fame or the hall of faith or the book of Hebrews chapter 11. She's in it. Listen to this. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. She helped usher this in. By faith, the harlot, Rahab. Don't forget where you came from. Notice, she's a, she's a whole different person, and the Bible's still talking about where she came from. Don't forget where you came from. I know you're saved. I know you love Jesus, but don't forget where you came from. Don't forget what you were in, and Jesus loved you so much before you loved him that he came and got you out of your mess because you couldn't get yourself out of it. Don't you forget where you came from. Now, you don't have to go into detail with your children of what you went into or what you were into, but you need to tell your children you were a sinner. But, but, but son, daughter, I'm no, long, I'm no longer what I used to be. Mama don't use drugs no more. Mama's, mama loves your daddy, and daddy loves, you, loves your mama, and we are serving God the rest of our days. Daddy and mama don't fight no more. Daddy and mama don't bicker anymore. Daddy and mama are one. We want to illustrate the love of Jesus to you that you will know your little daughter. She will know who to marry by what she has beheld her whole life. You know why young, pretty little girls marry this crazy man? Because they had a crazy daddy. That's all they know. Marry crazy daddy. Marry crazy. It sounds crazy, but that's all they know. That's the picture they have. This is who mama. And God forbid if you just this Jezebel controlling, freaky, manipulating mama. Because your daughter will become the same thing. Butter Jesus. Put it under the blood. Somebody say, I was there. So God used a harlot to bring the people of God into their real, true, genuine inheritance. Isn't that cool? So God wants to use you. I mean, you understand, your resume, your bad things, that's, that's gone. Blood of Jesus covers that. Whoo! Now, the rope, that rope, all that is, is symbolic of the blood that was shed 2,000 years ago for you and I. That's all it is. It's a type and a shadow of a reality to come. And so Jesus was the reality of that rope to rescue you. 
from yourself, from your carnal nature. The blood is still flowing. The blood of Jesus is still flowing. The blood of Jesus is just looking for someone to receive him. Isn't this good? It takes the work out. Now, there is work involved, but it, it, it's not a strenuous thing. God deals with your heart. And listen, when God fixes you in an area, don't go beat up somebody else that's messing up in that area. Y'all know how we can be? Like, I mean, sometimes Christians talk to other people that are not saved like they were saved at birth. <laughs> like, like they never did anything wrong. Like they got it and they know it. Blood of Jesus. I'm telling you, the blood of Jesus is powerful. Come on. You, you can't do this with your natural hand. But with your spiritual hands and who you are, just grab a hold to the blood of Jesus. Get a hold to the blood of Jesus. Just get a hold to the blood of Jesus. It cleanses. Takes the stains out. What's all warped and crazy looking, it just takes the wrinkle out. All the spots of the world. True religion is to not be spotted by the world. That's capable. Jesus said, the, the evil one has no place in me. The blood enables us to get in a place that the evil one has no place in us. What a comforting. Come on into the comfort inn now. This is the real comfort inn. Come, <laughs> come on into the, the lights on. Just close your eyes. I know there's people here, and I don't want the enemy to use this against you, but it's a very provo provoking message, but not to condemn you at all. It's just to shake you into the place that it's not over. You know, it's, it's just not. You still have time. You have ears to hear what the Lord is saying. And you could pick up right where you are now with family, with marriage, with husband, with wife, with your prayer. Those children are so precious. They so set to receive Jesus. I'm going to say this again. Little children are so set to receive Jesus. Parents would have to mess them up for them not to receive. Little children, little children, precious in his sight. Man, the Bible even talks about don't cause one of these little children to stumble. It's our responsibility to lead them. You're really the pastors of your own household. You're the teachers of your own household. Listen, we may not have victory in the government, or in this world, in every, in the way we want you, but you can have victory in your household. I'm telling you, you can have victory in your household. Things can be put in order. If you're here today and your heart is crying out for that, the Lord's here to help you 
to hold you, to embrace you, to console you, but also to impact you and empower you and inject in you the power of the blood of Jesus. There's power in the blood of Jesus. There was power in that rope for that lady, but that was a type of the real blood to come, the reality of the shed blood, the Father's blood to enter the earth to help failing, weak mankind. Maybe you're here today. You got to give your life to the blood. You have to give your life to the blood. There's life in the blood, but you have to give your life to the blood. The Bible says, Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. With the heart we believe unto righteousness, and with the mouth uh, we confess unto salvation. So with the heart we believe Jesus is Lord. And we confess that he lived, he died, and he was buried, but he rose from the dead. And when he died, he was buried. And if you would give the Lord Jesus today all of your faults, all of your wrongdoings, all of your mistakes, just give them to Jesus today, then they'll be buried with him. And no longer will you have to carry the weight of those wrongdoings and that sin. Just put it away. Put it on him. Give it to him. The cross was 2,000 years ago, but it's still working for us today. And if you cast your fears and your anxieties and your cares and your sin on him, you'll begin to see that he cares for you. But he didn't stay in the grave. He rose on the third day. And because he got up out of the grave and left the sin debt, left the sin of mankind in that grave, you can get up without sin too if you receive him. You'll get up with him in the newness of life. If you're here today, just say with me, Jesus, Jesus be, my be my Lord. I believe, I believe. you lived you live. and you died. And you never sinned, but you gave your life for me. And they killed you. And I was a part of it. I denied you. I rejected you. But today, I believe in you. And I accept you. Forgive me of my sin. Take the weight of it away. I crucify myself with Christ. I no longer live. I want to live for you because you first loved me and forgave me. Cause me, Lord, to get up in your resurrection power through the blood that you shed for me. I'm thankful. I'm saved. I'm born again. And I'm believing for all my family to be saved and born again in the name of Jesus. Lord, use me to help them. Let me be the messenger and the message that they can see that Jesus still lives. 
Help me present Jesus alive to my children and to my spouse. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Listen.